born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. If you have your Bible, turn to the book of Romans, the book of Romans and chapter 6, Romans chapter 6. This is a very interesting portion of Scripture. Uh, many people use this verse, or several verses here, referring to being baptized into Christ. And if you believe that it's water baptism, uh, you come up with uh, one conclusion. And if you believe it's the Holy Spirit baptism, you come up with a different conclusion. I myself personally believe that water baptism is a picture of your salvation and uh, your identification with Christ. But I do not believe that you are baptized by water into Christ. Otherwise, our goal in life would just go around and make sure we get everybody baptized. I believe every child of God should be baptized, but I don't believe that being baptized in water is what puts you into the body of Christ or into the, the true church. It might be used by the local assembly, by which many times people say you have to be baptized in order to be a member of the church. Well, I don't see nothing wrong with that. But not into Christ. I believe it refers to the Holy Spirit baptism. And so, because of that, many, uh, I should say, a, a lot of churches believe that you have to be baptized in water in order to be in Christ, and uh, therefore the church itself is a, uh, a different thing than the spiritual church. Um, many do not believe that there is a, the spiritual universal church in which all believers from Pentecost until the rapture that when you are saved, you are part of the body of Christ and therefore the bride of Christ, and that is the true church. The local assembly is only a picture of the invisible church, of which Christ is the head. And uh, I believe that there's nothing wrong with that. I believe Hank held that view. I held that view. Dr. Stanford held that view. Many people hold that view. But our views are not true because, you know, certain people that we know hold that view. There are certain views that Dr. Stanford may have that I don't agree with. There are certain views that I have probably that Hank didn't agree with. But when it comes down to the key things, the important things, I believe that uh, especially when it comes to salvation, everybody should believe the same on that because that's a heaven and hell issue. You're not going to go to heaven because you believe that water baptism puts you into the spiritual church or into Christ. 
it's a theological difference, but is not as critical as far as your eternal destination goes. So look there in verse 1. He says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Now these uh, few verses right here uh, says an awful lot of things. We often call these the identification truths. It's where the Christian is identified with Christ. In other words, what Christ did was put to your account. And God the Father looks at this as though you paid for your sins because Christ did it for you. And we know that. We believe that. But if you look there in uh, your notes that I gave to you, three questions to consider in this passage of Scripture. Number one is, shall we continue in sin? Well, evidently, the possibility must be there. There must be a possibility of Christians continuing to live in sin. And it is possible, but should we? No, we shouldn't. Do most of us. <laughs> okay, do most of y'all. No. <laughs> do most Christians. There's probably a good possibility that most Christians still continue to sin after they're saved. Especially until they learn how to walk with the Lord. But is that the will of God? No, but is it possible? The next question, number two, how shall we live any longer therein? How can it be possible? In other words, there's some people say, well, okay, when you got saved, okay, the old nature's eradicated, you don't have it anymore, and all you have now is your new birth, and if you uh, continue to sin, it's a sign that you never were really saved, because if you were really saved, you wouldn't want to do those bad things, and since you do, that's a sign you didn't really mean business, and you got to really mean business. And But some of those people, they get saved 10, 15 times. Well, that leads to wrong teaching. Number three, know ye not that ye were baptized into his death? So I believe that um, the key here is in the answer to that, that question. It's what Christ did that was put to your account. And if Christ has really given us eternal life and been justified by faith, because the first five chapters has really dealt with that, so we're justified by our faith in what Christ did. He put it to our account, that payment he made. And so now, as a child of God, should I continue to live in sin? Because, you know, I have eternal life. I'm going to heaven when I die, and I can't go to hell. Therefore, whoopee! And I've had people say that to me. Well, I believe what I'm telling them, and it didn't cause me to do all of that. And a lot of Christians though they know they have eternal life and they know they're going to heaven they die, and they know that if they sin, they're still going to heaven, doesn't lead them to licentious living. Now, some Christians, they will look at that and say, well, I'm going to heaven, I got it made, can't go to hell, look hot world, here I come. And they will do that. So, but should they? No, they shouldn't. There's generally some things that they don't understand. The Bible talks about discerning, discerning truth, discerning what's going on. And uh, discerning the Lord's death, which is what we're going to talk about a little bit this morning because of communion service. But look there in verse 1. Shall we continue in sin, or to continue to live in sin, that grace may abound? Because if I sin, grace covers it. So the more sin I commit, the more grace I have. Isn't that wonderful? So let's commit more sin so we can have more grace. 
No, God says, no, that's, that's not the way it's meant to be. Now, when he made a payment for the sins of the world, we're supposed to look at this like God does, I believe, that when Christ was on the cross, well, he was there for me. So I was crucified with him. It's like he did it in my place, but that was for me. He did it. And so I believe he did it for me. So that death that he made put to my account. So not only the death, but the burial and the resurrection. And so we call it the identification truth in the sense that I am identified with his death on the cross, his burial, and his resurrection. That all was put to me, and that's why when you understand it this way, it leads to, I believe, a better understanding of why we should serve the Lord after we're, we're saved. So he says here in verse 2, there's the answer. God forbid. Now, for you that don't know what that means, it means no. It means no. He said, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Why should you, if you have died on the cross and you were buried and you came back from the dead, why should you now live after the old sinful nature? You're supposed to believe that it was crucified. Therefore, it's dead and you are severed from it and you are free from your old sinful nature. Now, you and I know that in Christ, all that is true. But experientially, in our life, we find out the old sinful nature is very much alive and well. And he lives in our bodies, and nothing's happened to him. God separated you from it, but he's still in your body. And that's why he talks about the body. And the body one day is going to die. But God looks as at things as though it's already taken place because that's what God can do. And God calls things as they are, even though they're not there yet, because of how sure God is on things. And that's why he can make promises and tell you the future and what's going to take place because God already knows. But look what he says here. In verse 3, Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. So when you're baptized, now if it's just water, uh, being placed in water is dependent upon somebody else baptizing you. I, I don't believe that my spirituality is going to be based upon somebody else's performance or lack thereof. I believe that when he talks about being baptized into Christ, that's something that the Bible teaches Jesus Christ did. He says, as John the Baptist was baptized, and he said, I baptize you with water, but he that cometh after me shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And so when the Holy Spirit baptism takes place, that's um, all believers. So you were baptized by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ. And so the body of Christ was on the cross. So I was placed into the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit. So when we believe that he did it for us, that payment being made, God sees us as, as though that was me on the cross because I was crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So the Bible talks about us being crucified with Christ. And the Bible talks about us being buried with Christ. You see, it says here in the last part of verse 3, we're baptized into his death. 
So, and in verse 4, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. You're supposed to look at your salvation as someone who died, was buried, and rose again. And now you are supposed to, and it's the will of God that all of God's children walk in newness of life. Wouldn't it be great if they all did? Then we wouldn't need the book of First and Second Corinthians. You ought to read those. And yet they were called saints, and they were guilty of everything in the book because they did not live the way they should live. But God says that we should. Now, if it was all automatic, if it was automatic, you wouldn't even have to ask the question or answer the question. It would be automatic. And it wouldn't be possible for someone who has been saved to live in sin if it was automatic. It would be automatically happen. But since it's not, evidently that's not the truth. It is possible for a child of God not to live the way he should. And if you look down here where it says in verse uh, 4, even so we also should walk in newness of life. So that means there's a possibility you might not walk in newness of life. If it was automatic and it was, you know, every child of God who trusts Christ to save you, well, you're not going to want to do these bad things and you're going to want to serve the Lord. Well, then it's automatic and you don't need no verse in the Bible to tell me I might not. It would be automatic, but it's not. Is it possible for every one of you in this room that know Christ is your Savior? Is it possible for you to walk in the flesh? To live in sin? Commit every sin in the book? To doubt your own salvation? Question everything in the spiritual realm? Yeah, of course you can. But that doesn't stop God from honoring His Word. And we have this seal. God knoweth them that are His. So when you trusted Christ as your Savior, yes, you're God's child and you're going to heaven whenever you die. But now, since I believe that this is not talking about water baptism, why do sometimes we sometimes use these verses for water baptism? Because water baptism is a picture of your death, your burial, and your resurrection. So when you stand in the waters, a picture of Christ on the cross. And when you go under the waters, a picture of your burial. When you come up out of the waters, a picture of your resurrection. And if you believe that Jesus Christ died on that cross, was buried, and rose again for you, then you're supposed to take a picture. And it's a picture of what you inwardly believe. So when a person is baptized, that's why baptism can only be for believers. That's why you do not baptize infants. Or little children who do not understand, who haven't trusted Christ as Savior, have no, you know, uh, understanding of these things. So when they do understand it, well, then great. And I baptize kids when they're small because they said they trusted Christ as their Savior. But baptism is only for believers. So it is the will of God that every child of God be water baptized. It is a picture of their recognition, I should say, or they're identifying themselves with Christ. I believe he did it for me, that he was buried for me. He came back from the dead for me. And since I believe he did that for me, then God says, as a child of God, I should not continue to live in sin for which he died for, and that I should, as a child of God, since I've come back from the dead, spiritually speaking, I haven't physically, I haven't done that yet, that I should walk in newness of life. 
So should, should there be a difference or change in a Christian's life after he's saved? Yes, there should be. It is the will of God that not only are we saved by grace, but that we are created in Christ Jesus on two good works. So God does want his children to live right, to walk the way they should walk, and it should affect. So that the tongue in your mouth and the tongue in your shoe both say the same thing and go in the same direction. All right? Wisdom just flows all over the place. You know. Look in verse 5. Look in verse 5. He says, for if we have been planted, planted together in the, get this, the likeness of his death, we shall also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. Now, water didn't do this to you. Water, being baptized in water, doesn't crucify the old man. Being baptized in water didn't wash away your sins. Water won't wash the dirt off your neck if you don't use soap with it, let alone take away a sin. So he says, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth, now see the word henceforth, that means from now on, that means after you've trusted Christ as Savior, we should not serve sin. Now you still have your sinful nature. You still have the desires to do that which is wrong. But it doesn't mean you should do those things and fulfill those things. So he says, for he that is dead is freed from sin. So it's looking at you as though you died. And when you died, well, then you paid for your sins. And because you paid for your sins and come back from the dead, the only way you can come back from the dead is that sin has no hold on you. You're free. So it's like I don't have a sinful nature anymore because I died. Now, you and I know that physically, when I die, if, uh, for example, I was to die today, and my body is laying here in the casket, I'm not in my body. I am free from the body of sin and death. Because, see, I'm not in it anymore. I'm free from it. Now, God looks at it as though that's already happened. The day you trusted Christ as your Savior, his death, burial, and resurrection put to your account as though you did it. And that's why you'll see in these verses, it says, reckon ye this to be true. For example, look there in verse 11. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be what? Dead indeed unto sin. Now, you're not dead, but you're supposed to reckon it to be true. Why? Because God said so. You see, this is from God's perspective, a heavenly view, a divine view. There's always a divine view and a human view. And so God said, I want you to see this from my perspective. This is how I see you. When my son died for you, and you believe he did it for you, I saw you in my son. So when my son was on that cross, I saw you on that cross. When my son was buried, I saw you buried. And when he came back from the dead, I saw you come back from the dead. Now, I want you to live like I see it. So if we can look at things from God's eyes, from his perspective, it would help us to realize that I, I belong to him. And yes, I was baptized in water as a picture of what I inwardly believe.
Now, if you have been saved and you have not been baptized, you are disobedient in that area of your life until you do. It won't matter if you do a thousand things in between, you still were commanded to be baptized. And if you haven't done so, you're still disobedient. You say, well, I can serve the Lord without... I know you can, but that's still an area that's dis disobedient. God commands his children to be water baptized. Does that save you? No, it doesn't save you, but it's a step of obedience. There's many steps that God has told us in his word to do. Does he tell us to study his word? Yeah, well, if you don't study his word, are you still saved? Yeah, but uh, you're going to forfeit something. Does he tell us to pray? Well, yeah. Well, if you don't pray, you're still saved? Well, yeah. But uh, it's going to cost you something. So anything in the word of God that you know to be his will for you and you refuse to do it, you're disobedient in that area of your life. So if you want the full blessings of God, then you should try to deliver the total obedience to God. Now, th in my mind, see, that makes so much sense, but yet there's people who cannot see that. They can't reason. They cannot discern. And that reveals their level of spiritual understanding. So anyway, if you have been saved, be water baptized. Is it going to save you? No, it's not. But it is a step of obedience. It's a picture of what you inwardly believe. And inwardly, spiritually, I hope that you understand and can follow what I'm saying here. But look what he says now. In verse 8. Now, if we be dead with Christ. Now, see, water doesn't do this to you. Water can only be a picture of this. And yet there are some people say that you're not a part of the bride of Christ. Or you're not really part of his church, unless you are a member in a local church. Well, what happens if you join the church today, so now you're part of the body of Christ? Okay. But the preacher didn't like you, so he voted you out of the church. Okay, now you just lost it. And what happens whenever you die? If, if you were not a member of a church, that means you're not a part of the bride of Christ? which was dependent upon somebody either accepting you or rejecting you. You see, I don't believe that those critical things hinges upon what somebody else can or cannot do. But look here. In verse 9, it says, oh, excuse me, the verse, last part of verse 8. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we should also live with him. So you're supposed to believe, okay, I died, I was buried, I came back again from the dead, so now I should live as though I came back from the dead, and all I have is my new birth. The old one is gone. The things of the world, I don't have any love for, and uh, I, uh, I know that my life is hid with Christ, and therefore seek those things which are above, not on things of the earth. Now, God says in this world, he has given us all things freely to enjoy. So you can enjoy many things in this life. But you don't have to love any of those things. That where they dominate your life, where they rule your life. Nothing should come between you and the Lord. And then he says here in verse 9, Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin. And you ought to underline that next word. Once. So either Christ 
paid for all the sins of all the world for everybody, or he got to come back and do it again. Or he did it once for everybody, because he says he died for the world. Well, if he did it for the whole world, then he must have died and paid for all the sins. And if he did it once, it means he's not going to do it again. It means that he's not coming back next year to pay for what I did this year. He's already done it 2,000 years ago. So he died once, came back from the dead, never to die again. You and I are supposed to live as though we've already died once, we've come back from the dead, and now we are alive forevermore. And this physical death that might happen to me one of these days, and this old body goes to grave, uh, that's just a little doorway I'm just going through. But see, me personally, my spiritual birth, I'll never die. That's why Jesus said in the book of um, John chapter 11, if a man believes in me, he shall never die. And though he die, yet shall he live. No, wait, 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 Jesus. Now get this thing straight. If a man believe in me, he will never die. And though he die. No, wait a minute. That looks like a contradiction. But he's talking about if a man believes in me, that's the spiritual word, he will never die. And though he die, the flesh, yet shall he live. This one keeps on living. This birth will never die. When I came back from the dead, after I trusted Christ as my Savior, see, and I believe he did all that for me, and it was put to my account, he gave me the free gift of eternal life. Now, how long would it last? Forever. So my new birth, see, will never die. The only thing that's really going to die is going to be my body, and I'm going to be separated from it. But God says, as he looks at it, it's already done. Don't worry about it. As though it's already happened. But yet, I've done lived almost 51 years since that day I trusted Christ as my Savior. But look what else he says. He says in verse uh, 10, For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, because of what Christ has done, you and I are not supposed to let the old sinful nature that we have that lives inside of our body dominate our life. He doesn't want it to dominate. See what he said in verse 12? Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal, mortal body. That mortal means it's subject to death. It's going to die. But the sinful nature is in our bodies, in the members. That ye should, get that, that ye should obey it in the luster. It means that you still have the Old sinful nature, you still have the lust of the flesh, and it's possible to yield yourself to it. And it's possible for a Christian to be dominated by the flesh. Or, why would he put it in here if it was all automatic? You're never going to want to do those bad things anymore and all that. No, that's wrong teaching. God says, reckon this to be true. That's why he says in verse 13, neither yield ye your body as instruments of unrighteousness, but unto the Lord. And um, as he says here, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead. So God is looking at you as somebody who has died and come back from the dead. Now, from henceforth, you and I are not supposed to live for the flesh. 
And that's why he says, as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Look at the next, another verse, because it's, 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 it's good stuff. Look in verse 16. He says, know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey his servants, ye are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. It's to the Christian because he has a choice. You can either take this body of yours and yield to the flesh, or you can yield it to God. But you're going to reap what you sow. But you and I are supposed to live with this idea in mind. Have you ever heard that faith without works is dead? Or have you ever read James chapter 2? Does your faith produce good works? Some teach that if you don't serve the Lord, you're not saved. Is that true or false? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book. Or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound, and we will be changed, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.